Welcome to Sunday Night Dinner, a podcast that cooks. I'm Suzanne Hancock. Where do you think you got this love of feeding people? I mean, I can remember from when I was a kid, I, I loved it. I loved like helping my mom with Shabbat dinners. And I, I've always loved um, hosting and welcoming people. And I think it's also a creative outlet for me. I know that when we were in between having the farm and having this place, um, not having a kitchen to cook from and feed people from, it it it, it was missed. Something was missing, you know. So um, yeah, I think from when I was really little, and uh, it's also what you know how my husband and I connect, and I show people who I am. That's Chef Miriam Stryman and me, and we're eating Sunday night grilled cheese, soup, and salad. Most of the people I talk to on the show make me want to be a better cook. I love cooking, and I love the stories that come about because of food. I love what happens to people when they all sit together and eat. But in terms of actual culinary skills, I've got lots to learn. Spending the afternoon with Miriam in her three-week-old kitchen in Toronto was totally inspiring. She's such a kind person and so in love with food preparation and feeding people. It was infectious. Miriam went to cooking school at George Brown College in Toronto. Then she went to Italy where she became obsessed with farmers and food producers. Fast forward a few years and she and her husband Neil opened up an inn called Mad Maple near Cremor, Ontario a village just north of Toronto where it seems many younger people fleeing the city have ended up. And people loved it. They're back in the city now, so their one-year-old daughter can grow up closer to family. And they're thinking of keeping chickens in the backyard, and they have a plan for a big garden, so it seems like they're bringing a small part of that 100-acre farm to the city. The farm was where Miriam learned how to forage and tap trees and really came into her own as a chef. It was uh, until I was in my own kitchen, in the country, cooking for people in that intimate setting, I knew the line was never for me, ever. But I think it's important that you have that experience. And so it was my way of cooking for people um, in my home, you know, Mm -hmm. as my my way of life. And that's what she did when I came over. And when Miriam says grilled cheese, she isn't joking around. I thought I made a pretty good grilled cheese. But Miriam's was incredible. Decadent in just the right way, with a mixture of cheeses and just the right crispiness. And I'll let her reveal the secret ingredient. So I am going to make um, a grilled cheese uh, with lots of butter, with Monforte Dairy cheese, a selection of them that I got at the market with my daughter this weekend, and some of Neil's bread um, that he baked. And then on Sunday, we also make a big pot of soup of whatever odds and ends and vegetables from the fridge with some of our canned tomatoes and a little bit of honey and vinegar and lots of cheese. So, you know, you if you have a grilled cheese, you probably should have a bowl of soup. And then I'm a big salad girl, so there should always be a salad, even with breakfast. Salad with breakfast too, always salad. I got a little, maybe I got a little carried away. There's I about mean, seven cheeses. Happy, yeah, well, you know, each one has a roll. Yeah. So this is uh, their cheddar, um, and they didn't have a cow's cheddar. 
they didn't have that available and that's okay because you have to support your farmer so whatever they have available you have to be flexible and roll with so it's a water buffalo uh, cheddar and then we have um, this is another aged water buffalo cheese called jack sprat and uh, we also have Toscano because, you know, obviously, um, if you're going to eat Monforte, you need Toscano, according to me. And there's the rind. I cut off a chunk of the rind and put it in the soup as well. And then we have an aged cow's milk cheese. Yum. I tasted all these because it was the responsible thing to do at the market. So I think it's going to work. <laughs> Can yeah. you tell me a little bit more about the producer? So Ruth Clausen from Monforte Dairy, uh, who works with her sons and a whole group of people, um, is located in Stratford, and she works with small farmers um, according to what milk um, and dairy they have available, um, making cheese. Um, she has so much integrity. If you were talking to Ruth, she'd probably throw a swear word in there too to illustrate how strongly she feels about that. Okay, so okay. so when so tell me your your ideal grilled cheese is crispy, gooey, um, has mustard, needs a little bit of bite. Okay, so we're gonna have some coslicks involved, and um, I don't know why a lot of people make fun of me, but I like putting like whole stems of herbs and things that I cook. So if you're eating, like you'll be like, oh. Here's an entire like time loop, whatever, but I don't know. So I like to, um, with the oil and the butter and the crispy pan, I think it adds a little bit of flavor. So I like to incorporate that. And for me, that was the secret ingredient. Full stems of rosemary and thyme, not in the sandwich, but cooked alongside the sandwich to flavor the butter. Um, and, uh, and then sometimes uh, so I make a lot of apple butter. Sometimes I'll put a little schmear of apple butter in there. Um, I don't really eat a lot of meat, but you could put some really nice charcuterie in there as well. Um, mushrooms would be, would be really great. In the summer, a tomato always has its place. Sometimes I put mayonnaise in as well. A little mayonnaise, butter, and mustard. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so we have our bread here for you. And then we have our mustard. We have our softened butter. It must be softened butter because you must smear the butter on every single available surface of the bread because no piece of bread should be neglected with butter. And you should butter the inside and the outside of your bread. Okay. Yes. Okay, and then we're going to slice cheese. Um, slice all the different cheeses. You could grate it. Um, we, our grater is in storage, so I am slicing cheese. Do you prefer to grate or do you, you prefer? You know, it, it melts. Um, it depends on the cheese. It, 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 it's like thinner strands, so it may melt a little bit easier, but we're, we're slicing and it's going to melt and be gooey and delicious. However I always slice. I do know. you? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, it, there's no wrong way. I mean, if there's butter, really good bread, a hot pan and cheese, I mean, come on. So yes. And then we'll try this one. Do you want to try any of these cheeses while we're here? You want to have a little taste? Sure. There's this Thank taste. You. Can you think of, of an eating experience that kind of blew your mind? I remember, so after we did 
uh, our school and our placement and everything, I decided to stay and I stayed in Italy for about a month by myself, traveled around. And I remember going to the market there and you could get like beets and onions that were already roasted in the fire. And then I remember, okay, I'll get a couple of those. And then I went, there was this chicken there that was like so golden and roasted and yummy and chickeny. And so I remember getting some of that and some cheeses and some fruit. And then all of a sudden I had this, you know, um, beautiful picnic. And it was like, it really was like, unlike the flavors. I was in Alba, which smelled like chocolate because I guess they have all the hazelnuts anyway so I was like in this place that smelled like chocolate eating this beautiful collection of foods that I you know had from the market um in Italy and uh it was incredible but you know um it was a it was it some of the best eating experiences also are ones that we're sharing with other people did your mom or your dad um, make grilled cheese for you? My dad would make uh, tuna melts. Okay. So he never, he didn't, but there was cheese and all that. And so he made that. I remember him making that with a slice of tomato and mayonnaise and Dijon mustard. He also ate a lot of sardines, which I loved too and still love. So I remember him making sardine sandwiches with Dijon mustard. That was good. You could also put onions in here, or caramelized onions or anything like that. That would also be really yummy. I'm going to turn this soup on too. So that's heating up. That's heating up. And then we're going to do our butter here. So why this think, is why do you yeah. think people fear butter? Maybe it has to do with our obsession with being fit and clean and the food that we eat. But you know, a little bit of butter, which is flavorful and is a good fat, you know, is okay. And this bread is good bread, you know, from whole healthy grains and if you're going to eat a grilled cheese, which is indulgent, it is, it's an indulgent treat, a grilled cheese. But yeah, if you're gonna like, if you're gonna eat the cheese and eat the bread, like you, you have to commit, you know? So you have to embrace butter, you know? And yeah, my mother sure. told me- I think me, it gets a bad rap. Yeah, like my mom sat me down when I was little and was like, Miriam, there's two kinds of people in this world. There's butter people and there's margarine people. And we are butter people. So I'm listening to my mother. So there you go. What about growing up for you? What were, what were Sunday nights like for you? My parents were divorced and my mom, so we were with my mom. And uh, so Sunday nights were a family meal night. I don't, I don't think it was anything elaborate, but um, it definitely was, was um, you know, food that my mom cooked. And once in a while, because I know my mom was on a, on a tight budget as well, um, she'd bring the towel, the big, you know, the big beach towel down. She'd put it in the den in front of the television and put on like the Marx Brothers or something and order Chinese food in. And then we would have that. And that was like, that was awesome. That was, that was the best. Because A, we got to watch television and we were just the ceremony of sitting on the floor and eating off of paper plates because, you know, 
whatever her battle with being kosher or whatever we we um but still bringing it into the house but if you eat it on paper plates it's fine anyways but uh yeah so that that i have i have amazing memories of that as well so yeah yeah so probably gave my mom a break now that i'm a mom too i'm like yeah that probably was a nice break for her too and what about now what do sundays look like for miriam neil and hannah Sundays are a time for the three of us to spend as much time together, to do walks to the library, and um, I mean, all we do is uh, think about food. So, <laughs> so what do you think about? Yeah, well, we think about breakfast first when we wake up and what that's going to be. My daughter loves pancakes, so apple pancakes with maple syrup and baked beans. And because we ran the inn before, breakfast is something that's also really special to us, and we're always thinking about that. But a meal that has become like our all-time favorite um, since being introduced to Mark Hayhoe from K2 Milling where we you know get all of our grains and flour from which was close to where the farm was is bread so Neil has made his own starter and so he makes three loaves of bread every Sunday and that sustains us for the week. One loaf usually is eaten on Sunday with copious amounts of butter, which I'm not ashamed to say. <laughs> and um, that's the bread my daughter, like that's the only bread really, except for an occasional bagel. I can't help it. I'm part of the tribe. It's like in her blood, but um, which Neil makes great bagels too. But anyways, um, but uh, yeah, so that bread is really central to our family, central to, um, I think, you know, it's, it's how people um, show love. Homemade bread, what could be better? I asked her about the ingredients. So this is a combination of his Loftus and Red Fife with uh, different seeds in it. And it's a very dense, uh, moist bread. Is it as easy for you here? Um, I know you've only been here two weeks, so it's kind of mm -hmm. premature, but do you imagine that it will be as easy for you here in the city to support local um, local farmers to cook seasonally do you feel like that's yeah a hundred percent I think I think that there's just different ways like the farmers market this weekend I haven't been to a farmers market I mean a we were always Saturdays or you know we were always working so I just have different opportunities to connect with my farmers in the city than I did um, at the farm. I had producers who would come to my door and they drop off whatever, because I was such a small business, they would just drop off whatever they thought, little bundles of whatever they thought um, would be great. Um, I will miss, you know, driving to the new farm, which was down the road and having their greens. So, you know, little things here and there, but generally I just think the story will be different of how I, um, you know, access and source that food. Um, but I also think that if you are a chef and somebody who cooks, that it's your responsibility to support people that are dedicating their lives to growing and raising our food. You know, you don't have to, every single thing has to be local, but it should be on the surface of, of when you're shopping and when you're cooking and, and thinking about how the people were treated and what kind of work environment they were in and thinking about the nutritional value in the food. And that doesn't mean it needs to be the most expensive thing. It doesn't even necessarily mean it needs to be certified organic, you know, which is always great. But um, I think freshest as possible and on, there's no reason anybody should never buy an apple from Ontario or Canada. You know, little things like that. 
In cooking school, it was the slow food course that really changed her life, and it turns out she's starting to teach that course at George Brown. Lucky students. Slow food and Italy are major inspirations, and I asked Miriam a little more about her experience in Italy. I was in Chianti, so, um, you know, I would go out and cut the herbs, I would go and collect the eggs for the different meals, and um, just the way of life in Italy was really eye-opening, and I'm, like I mentioned before, like an 86-year-old lady, basically, you know, so I was one with all the nonnas and everything there, so I felt like I was with my people. Yeah, so um, taking all of that, those experiences and knowledge and passion for food and producers, and hoping that I can share that with these students, so I feel like this is, you know, the next you know at the next step so I'm really excited yeah tell me about that course so the course is really special because um, you know there's uh, studying to do and books to read but it was the first time where instead of you know freaking out over chefs that were a big deal I was like I got to meet farmers that blew my mind. It was the first time that I read about what does biodiversity mean? Why are bees important? Why, you know, why should I care about where my food comes from? Mm. What is the difference between supermarket meat and grass-fed beef? And uh, just having an appreciation for food, which I really feel is connected to my way of cooking because I'm not a fancy schmancy chef. I like molecular what? you know but uh, and I totally respect that Um, but I felt like that kind of philosophy with food was how I found my you know voice in the kitchen and my rhythm in the kitchen because for me it's all about the ingredients it's all very simple it's very rustic Um, not that slow food always means it has to be rustic the grilled cheese Miriam made was rustic and elegant at the same time she had a pile of different kinds of Monforte cheeses two slices of Neal's bread, buttered on all sides, grainy mustard on one side, a little bit of pepper, and she stuck it all together and moved over to the stove and her beloved cast iron pan. But before we do that, maybe this is the place for a little history. Every article I read about this sandwich mentioned the ancient Romans, who had recipes for melting cheese on bread. I was talking to a friend yesterday about this episode, which led to talk of craft singles. Those pre-sliced, plastic-wrapped, weirdly-colored slices of cheese product that James Kraft invented in 1949. His cheese product empire started earlier, in 1915, when he discovered a way to make a blended, pasteurized cheese that wouldn't spoil, and he fed the U.S. Army, Navy, and of course millions of North Americans. The bread slicer was created in 1928, and it was around that time that toasted cheese sandwiches became popular. Apparently, they were usually open-faced. It was after Kraft singles were invented, though, that people started calling toasted cheese grilled cheese, and that Kraft color will always remind me of my dad, who grew up in the 50s and loved that stuff. It's not quite Miriam style, but I guess it had its place. That's going. How do you feel? That is a beautiful <laughs> mountain of cheese on that grilled cheese. Let me see. 
know, these herbs. So when I flip the grilled cheese, then I'll flip it um, onto the herbs. So that's starting. So you've got thyme in there and rosemary? Yeah, thyme and rosemary. Really smell the thyme. Mm -hmm, it's nice. Okay, now what are you doing? Right I'm now? pressing, so I took a big heavy lid, um, if you have another pan, and I'm pressing it. So that's what makes it extra crispy and make sure that everything kind of sticks together, and uh, it's how I roll. The sandwich cooked for a couple of minutes, and then Miriam flipped it right onto the sprigs of rosemary and thyme. Okay. I like things dark, like, mm, right? Okay, so this is not, this is like, I think, actually, I think this is a good achievement. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Okay, so I'm going to put the lid back on. I hope there's enough cheese in there. Oh, that's the wrong lid. So you're pressing on the sandwich again with the lid. Yes. Yeah, I'm just going to do a little hello, how are you with the soup over here. And I, I'm going to turn my pan off at this point because it's really hot, which is what's so amazing about cast iron. And uh, just press the lid. And then it's going to land on the cutting board here and we'll cut it up. So we have our grilled cheese. Mm. Yummy. Okay. Hey. Let's do it. Mm. Oh my god. See? I told you. <laughs> it's heavy. It's like a it's, toddler. It's like a little. It's like. It's true. Mm. The best grilled cheese I've ever had. Mm. <laughs> oh my god, that is so good. Beautiful bread and cheese, and you can't beat it. I don't think so. No? Food is, for many people, how they express love and appreciation, and it's why we celebrate with food, why it brings us comfort, and why food memories are sometimes the strongest. And in Italy, too, I remember this old man um, who was making ricotta, um, and that's all this man did every single day was make the ricotta and he would dip his hand into the big, you know, vat of warm milk and he would know just by touching it when it was ready, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I remember we would line up and he took a ladle out of this like warm ricotta and put it up to our mouths and we all, you know, we all shared the same ladle and the same experience and it was... It was life-changing, like I will never ever forget it. I will never forget walking down the street and seeing a fig tree, which, you know, I couldn't even believe it, and seeing them on the ground splattered and then like looking up and plucking one and squishing the bottom between my hands and it being like sticky and yummy and sweet and moist in a way. Like, so these food memories of ingredients, you know, they, they stick with you and they make you want to eat and cook and be with people. And um, so no matter if we're at the farm or we're at our new house here in Toronto, food is central. Our kitchen is in the center of our house. It's the heart of everything. And that's how, how I show love is through the ingredients, through 
feeding people. Thanks so much to Chef Miriam Strymon for spending the afternoon with me and for making the best grilled cheese ever. I hope one day soon she has a grilled cheese pop-up or some spot where we can all enjoy her lovingly made food. Miriam is on Instagram at mad underscore maple. Subscribe to Sunday Night Dinner on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, and check out our website, sundaynightdinnerpodcast.com, to see photos and recipes. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, go check out Jesse Brown of Canada Land making spaghetti carbonara. Music for the show is written by the super talented J.J. Ibsen. Happy Sunday Night Dinner, everyone. See you soon.